Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the last part here on the Friday edition here on the Chase Thomas podcast. Um, on this edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, it's Stats by Will, as he is here every Friday morning here on the podcast. So appreciate Will, Mr. Stats by Will, Will Warren, for coming on the pod, as he does, like I said, at this time. Um, we talk all things college basketball, as we do every week. Um, we talk about the biggest upsets this past week. Uh, get into our NCAA tournament overview, number one seeds, all that kind of stuff, who's in the bubble. Uh, we hit on for, uh, Providence versus Villanova. Wake and Duke uh, is Virginia Tech a tournament team. How good Texas Tech is. The latest on Tennessee, that big win over Kentucky this week. How the uh, absence of Olivier Kumwa has changed kind of uh, the rotations that Rick Barnes is able to use. Uh, stats that have uh, caught Will's eye. All that and more with uh, Stats by Will, Mr. Will Warren, on this edition of the podcast. Make sure you go check out statsbywill.com if you've not already done so, and give him a follow on Twitter at statsbywill. Um, also, a couple other business items to mention before we get started with today's episode. Please do make sure you check us out on YouTube. Yeah, the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, just type in the Chase Thomas Podcast. Subscribe, like, share it out. All that good stuff matters more than you know. Also, Please, 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 if you have not already done so, leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help more than you know and helps other people find the show. Uh, go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com today. If you have not already done so, access to all of my previous episodes, all that and more on the official website. Uh, also, go ahead and subscribe. Daily newsletter. Yeah, I'm the Sports Renaissance Man, so... Go subscribe to the sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email. That's simple. And uh, yeah, give me a follow on twitter.com at twitter underscore or twitter.com slash chase uh, double underscore Thomas. And then uh, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Chase Thomas Podcast, we are back with Mr. Stats by Will, the SEC Network's favorite college basketball analyst. Will, good evening, sir. How are you? Doing well. Uh, hopefully, and honestly, I really do hope the wind comes across on this recording. Mm-hmm. It is blowing like crazy here at Knoxville tonight, and you just ran in this wind and rain. Oh, I ran in the wind and rain, and I loved every second of it. Um, we have to start every podcast with you and I talking about our running habits. And yeah, no, it's it's crazy here in Knoxville um, with the wind and the the gloominess. It looks like Voldemort's on his on his way back because this kind of reminds me of um, some Harry Potter vibes with uh, how it's looking outside. So. Thankfully, I am well versed and uh, in, in the dark arts, and not not some measly muggle. All right, that's enough for me on that. Um, <laughs> but no, it was it was a lot of fun. It, I highly recommend running in thunderstorms. I've done it before in Atlanta and stuff like that, which is actually probably worse. Like I've I've made some really sketchy decisions with my running habits back when I lived downtown. A um, mm-hmm. little less. Uh, nervous about it here in Knoxville, Tennessee, but I, I definitely did some dumb things in terms of when I ran and where I ran in Atlanta. But my theory was that like, they're not going to catch me. Who cares if I'm running yeah. into danger? Guess what? I'm re- also running out of danger. So there you go. Yes, exactly. Um, I've also got the Tennessee Smokies hat ready to go tonight for uh, baseball season being back at least for college tomorrow. 
That's true. Uh, I'm very excited. I I will say I was a little bummed mm-hmm. to check the Tennessee basketball schedule. Shout out to Tennessee basketball mm-hmm. we'll get to later and see the so there there's an option for the Auburn game on February mm-hmm. 26 to be 12 or 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. And they have chosen four, which is a bummer because there's a baseball game at three. And I was really hoping to pull that double, but seems mm-hmm. happening. Well, then I saw there was something else they because they moved the times around. Like Saturday was supposed to be a three o'clock first pitch, and now it's one o'clock. Um, not that that really matters, but the Friday four thirty. I can't make four thirty. Yeah, Who can make four thirty? Why do they do that? Six thirty. Let's just go. A student attendance game. That's not like anybody. No. Why would you want to do that? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, but I went to a lot of Georgia Tech baseball games growing up because uh, my grandfather went there. And Georgia Tech Stadium is amazing. I don't know if you've seen it, but like the the outfield is the Atlanta skyline. It's pretty awesome. Uh, but we, yeah, it is. And we would go a lot on Friday nights and Friday nights, meaning after 4.30 p.m. and being able for us to get there. So uh, Tennessee, that would be great because I would love to go on these Friday nights as well. So um, I don't. I need to look at the times for the rest of the schedule, but hopefully it's not a normal thing that they're doing Friday nights. But Either way, very excited uh, Tennessee baseball is back. Even if we don't have any starting pitchers, because that's where it's going right now. Every starting pitcher is getting hurt, so that's not good. Um, you can always just do the opener. Just just do bullpen every single game. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, what's new with you, Will? Anything, uh, anything new? Anything you'd like to share uh, that's happened for you in the last week? Uh, nothing too crazy. I mean, I'm always working. I'm always building building my brand you know <laughs> my favorite entrepreneur is mark zuckerberg oh, okay um, no i'm joking um, i was gonna say that was i did not expect that but <laughs> you're so subtle will that like i'm sometimes like i said i never know you're a hard person to read i didn't know where that was going okay there's this kid i was friends with growing up shout out to michael mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> michael you're not listening to this right now i don't think but if you are mm-hmm. uh, you taught me to be deadpan and i'm always grateful mm-hmm. for that because people don't know how to read the deadpan and i never did with michael so again shout out to michael okay michael i like it i like it um but you were about to say something else (laughs) uh no i've got a bunch of stuff so next week i have five Mm -hmm. posts planned out you know two tennessee one recap and then a couple of bracket related things you know we're getting close to that time we're just i believe uh once we hit the sunday four sundays from uh, mm-hmm. selection sunday no three sundays i believe mm-hmm. so really getting close i mean it's right around the corner you're gonna have joe lenardi on tv all the time uh, you're gonna have my favorite thing shout out to jimmy's jet on mm-hmm. the SEC network and espn broadcast love seeing jimmy's jet mm-hmm. um it's all coming back folks march is going to be normal again or at least as normal as it can be these days, and I'm pumped. So a couple of bracket posts coming up, one Tennessee-specific, one just uh, NCAA-specific, looking for trends in the data that can tell you uh, who sort of stands out above the crowd, you know, what things to avoid when picking. Uh, Even if you're like me and you're having some second thoughts about doing a bracket anymore because it's not actually that fun and you just like watching the games, uh, yeah, it could help you win money. I don't know. I just like doing, I just like writing the words. That's my job. I write the words. You write the words. I like it. Um, well, let's get into some college basketball. 
Mr. Stats by Will, go check out statsbywill.com that he's talking about. Just go ahead and bookmark it uh, in your to, browser. Uh, the uh, We'll get to it later, but the Tennessee-Kentucky game, big day for my site because uh, naturally Tennessee fans were very pumped to read about the win. So, uh, yeah, keep coming to the site. I really do enjoy clicking on the referrals side and seeing which message board forums are making fun of me on a given day. It's, it is honestly quite fun. Shout out to Vol Nation, which is the best and worst site on the internet. <laughs> I love that Will is becoming like a, just, a, I don't even know what to call you uh, in, in terms of uh, Tennessee Twitter, Tennessee basketball Twitter. You're, you're loved by some and you're uh, frustrating to others, but to me, you're perfect. And people oh, forget you. that, Will. I'm honored. Um, but let's get into what uh, what happened. So we'll save the Tennessee stuff because I have some takes. Outside of uh, the strength and conditioning coach being permanently banned <laughs> from college basketball for the foreseeable future, um, that, that that's something that I think even Kentucky fans can agree with. Um Let's start with the upsets of the week. What uh, what happened in the last week that uh, surprised you? Can we just count Wake Forest as an upset win because there was a shoulder check late in this one that the refs missed with a man running full speed ahead and plowing into a Wake Forest player that was not really? called there? Yeah, I mean, Wake Forest, man, that game was bonkers. And did you see the end with the heave, the one-handed heave that went hit? Oh, my good, I thought that was it. And that would have been the craziest uh, buzzer beater I've seen in a long, long time. That was bonkers, but we'll save Wake Forest because I have some Wake Forest thoughts and I'm sure you do too. But in terms of actual upsets that happened in the last week, what uh, what stood out to you? Big one that's going to stand out to anybody, I think, is uh, Michigan beating Purdue by 24. That one, I wouldn't say that totally came out of left field because on the, on the right night, Michigan can get insanely hot and we mm-hmm. know Purdue's defense is just not good. But I mean, all that being said, anytime a uh, you know five point underdog, fairly consistent underdog on every site beats the AP number three team by twenty four, I'd say it's pretty notable. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan following that up by losing to Ohio State by eleven at home is not a great result for their tournament odds. But uh, they continue to just find ways to stay on the bubble, never going in, never going out, but almost always staying in the first four out. And if they can ever get off that hump, they're going to be a really fascinating team to figure out in March because the talent seems to be there and they seem to be figuring things out a little bit. It's just, can they string it together even for a first four game, much less, you know, a six eleven or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Rutgers, Rutgers is the hottest freaking team in America. I cannot believe what has happened there. They're the first team ever. So they beat Illinois first Mm -hmm. team ever to win four straight games over ranked teams as an unranked opponent. Mm -hmm. That is a wild stat. Um, And this Rutgers team, you know, we talked last week, I repeated the John Gasway line about how Rutgers probably needed to win their next like two or three to be on the bubble. And well, here we are, they've done it. They've done the 1% event. And they're mm-hmm. squarely on the bubble, if not in the field right now. And that is an insane thing to be saying about a Rutgers team that looked dead in the water three weeks ago. Like not even, I mean, barely on the NIT bubble, much less NCAA. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't quite know how I feel about them as a March entity, mm-hmm. but they're interesting enough. And they're clearly showing that on the right night, they can beat some really, really good teams. Rutgers is interesting. Rutgers is kind of like uh, Virginia Tech for me, where it's mm-hmm. like they're on the bubble. We all, we like all acknowledge they're good, 
They're not great. There's no path for them to be great or make some serious deep run. But it's also like, I feel like they're one of the 30, 35 best teams in college basketball somewhere in there. Uh, Virginia Tech is just, uh, it's just more, I, I had the Virginia Tech beat Redder on earlier today. And uh, we were talking about um, uh, the, the, just the Virginia Tech basketball season thus far. And they had the start from hell. Um, in the ACC and the ACC is bad this year. And that's something that really hurts Virginia tech. Um, the big 10 kind of down too, with Michigan being down mm-hmm. um, Purdue defense, just being an absolute sieve <laughs> uh, stuff like that. That's not great. So when your conference isn't great and what it used to be, that hurts bubble teams. So I think Virginia tech and Rutgers are kind of hurt by how their conference is played as a whole. Right. That's fair. I would still say the Big Ten is a really good conference. You know, still going to put mm-hmm. in six or seven teams. But, but I'm saying, do you I, think it's down a little bit? Wouldn't you say it's down just a tad down this year? A little bit. I, I would mm-hmm. not say so. I think there's a runaway best conference this year in the Big Twelve, and then okay. it's kind of like you know, SEC, Big Ten, Big East, all sort of fighting out the scraps of second place. The SEC is probably the second best conference, but I don't think they're like a huge step huge level ahead necessarily yeah on the on the Rutgers front the team they remind me of a lot actually is that uh Tim Miles Nebraska team that Mm. randomly got really hot one February and slid into the tournament as an 11 seed you know they I went and looked it up they were eight and eight oh and four they fell as far as 110th in Ken Palm Rutgers was 103rd two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and they just got white hot at the right time. They beat Ohio State. They beat uh, a really good Michigan State team on the road. They beat Wisconsin that year's Final Four Wisconsin in their season finale. I mean, mm-hmm. Rutgers is sort of experiencing that same run, but all mushed together in one 14-day span. And so if they can keep it up, good for them. Um it's going to be really hard to do another one on Sunday at Purdue, much less, you know, they've still got Michigan on the road, still got a pretty frisky Indiana side. Uh, Wisconsin is at home, but I would say, you know, if they can close this season right now, Ken Palm has them projected 18 and 12, 12 and eight big 10. That's a very bubblish record. And, you Mm -hmm. know, you just go into big 10 tournament week where it's like, all right, we win, we're in, basically. You know, you beat the right team, you're on the right side of the bubble. And uh, I love, I don't love their offense, frankly, but I love that program because in games like that, you can always tell which side is the Rutgers side because they're so hard-nosed, they battle every possession, and it is like pulling teeth playing them at times. Even regardless of the talent level, Steve uh, Peichel really brings the sauce every year with them. And, you know, they're, that, that whole John Rothstein pounding nails thing about them is very accurate. Mm. Um, well, let's hit our um, – well, actually, let's do Friars, uh, 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 Villanova, and then Wake Duke. And then we'll do uh, your big main event with um, NCAA tournament overview. And we'll, we'll get into that nitty-gritty because I want to kind of hit this real quick. Yeah. Um, Wake – Steve Forbes, man, has been awesome. And he was Mm -hmm. kind of an under-the-radar hire. He was a Bruce Pearl assistant for a long time at UT. Um, Kind of fell off the map a little little bit for a lot of folks. And then kind of an outside-the-box hire for Wake. And Wake's back, man. And Wake's a really good team, and they're also really fun to watch. Um, They should have really beaten Duke uh, this week. But um, either way, it was still, still a really fun game, and they took Duke to the wire, which is important on the road. 
And then you have Providence, who just have had a great season. We talked about them at length on the podcast last week. But Villanova, they do what they need to do, and they take care of Providence. So then we're just like, <sighs> my takeaway when I watched back that game, I was like, Villanova is a Final Four team. Like I, I'm, I'm just resolving myself to Villanova, just figuring it out. And then you look at the numbers and you look at kind of how they're playing right now. And you're like, man, Providence is an awesome story, but this is just going to be a Villanova thing. Jay Wright uh, is going to get this team back into the final four. That's kind of where I'm at. What, what do you make of those two games? Uh, I would like to congratulate myself on saying Providence would not make it through the year winning every single close game. Uh, good on yeah. uh, Villanova for finally. So it's your fault. Up. So there you go. Now, Providence Fire Blogs, you heard it here. Will Warren put this on you. He put the hex on you. (laughs) Not only does he put the hex on you, he is not a Dunkin' guy. He is uh, a local coffee guy. So there's just all kinds of shots fired over there in Providence country. Exactly. Interesting that the idea of a team, it's it's impossible for any team to win every close game. So Mm -hmm. like you said, Providence, great story. I think this just kind of hammers in, I'm not trusting them in March, just straight up, because... You know, good on you for winning all the close games, but this was sort of the chance. And, you know, frankly, they made 65% of their twos against Villanova. That is a heck of a conversion rate. Made a lot of free throws, too, for, won the turnover battle. You should have won this game. But Villanova is just a, a level ahead. It's Villanova's shooting ability that really sets them apart, I think, when it comes to March. they I agree. Villanova seems to have figured it out in the sense that, at minimum, they're going to be a favorite to make the Elite Eight. And I don't know, we'll sort of get into seeding stuff here shortly, because I don't know if they'll end up a one or a two. I would guess a two, mm-hmm. but either way, that's a team that you're not really looking forward to being in your bracket come March. Whereas with Providence, frankly, you look at the numbers, you're begging to get them as your five feet or whatever. And, you know, that's... But that's that, not shot fired. They've had an amazing year. They've had an yeah, amazing they year. they've had an amazing three-month run and you know maybe it sustains itself into march i would love to see them make a little run because frankly we need new teams in the second week it would be cool to see providence get to the sweet 16 or further but i've just got to see it to believe it you know and we had our proving ground game where like i said last week if they're going to be taken seriously they needed to at least split with villanova and frankly it's going to be really darn hard to win on the road at villanova with that game still in the books um, what about Wake? Wait, what did you learn from Wake Forest against Duke? That's just a fun Wake team. I don't mm-hmm. know that they're going to do a ton in March. I think that's probably a team that wins a game and then bows out. But to say to be speaking about Wake Forest as a program that would win a tournament game in year two of Forbes after they haven't won any tournament games in twelve years is awesome. That's incredible. That's a huge, huge turnaround. And the way they run their offense is beautiful. I think once they get some more talent in there, the defense is going to catch up. Mm-hmm. That's a wake program on the rise. That's a group that I'm really looking forward to in coming years. And uh, I mean, honestly, I know the ACC is down. I know this is a, a really crappy conference, frankly. This is, in my estimation, the sixth best of the major six. But uh, it doesn't matter to me. Wake has had a great season. They're a great story. Williams is awesome. And they're going to head into March, rightfully so, as I think the agreed upon second best ACC team. And for regardless of what level that conference is at this year, for Forbes to do that in year two is amazing. And on the Duke half of that, it's like I mentioned last week. When Duke played Gonzaga in November, and there was an amazing start to finish game, 
everyone said we want this to be the title game and i was right there with them you know i wanted to see paolo versus chet again Gonzaga's mm-hmm. holding up their end very well but this is the second week in a row where i've thought you know is duke going to be able to hold up their end because maybe duke is sort of playing through the motions in a down year in the conference but i mean it's been a minute and i know they played north, really well at north carolina but it, it feels like it's been a minute since we've seen what Duke is supposedly capable of. Uh, I just don't know that they have the focus and concentration to pull off the deep run in Kay's final year. And I mean, Kay is Kay. I'm not going to be shocked by anything they do. But right now, this kind of feels like this feels like the three seed that somehow goes out to a six seed. I could see that. Um yeah, this Duke team just doesn't like. I don't see there being a, a like just a switch that they're flipping to win a title. I don't think this is a title team in K no. in Coach K's last year. And, and a really I mean, scary like, moment. Did we figure out what was going on there? Because he didn't return from the second half. He was just not feeling well. Is that all they said? That's all they said. I haven't heard anything more. But I, am, I assume he's okay. Otherwise, we would have mm-hmm. heard something worse. It sounded pretty bad. Like they were. It was. It was. It was rough. So. Um, thoughts and prayers to coach K. Cause I don't, I don't really know what's going on there. Um, all right, well, let's get into your NCAA tournament, uh, yes. overview. Will this is the bread and butter. This is when stats by will has to check back in on his servers to make sure the servers can, <laughs> can <laughs> withstand. Yeah, this is it. This is your fry, fire festival. This is it yes. right here. Uh, except my fire festival happens. Um, well, we'll see. We're not there yet. We're not at March. It's a lot of hype right now. You're, you've got like five. Like crazy. I'm not exactly. <laughs> you've got five post scheduled. Let's just not make the. I'm just saying. <laughs> let's count those chickens. Let's not count those chickens before they hatch. Will yeah. Warren. Mm-hmm. So I'm. I'm just going to dive in. So first thing on our list, you know, one mm-hmm. seat. I think we've got two locked in, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Gonzaga feels like a pretty obvious pick. I think you know. Frankly, I know we discussed last week, I think the WCC is quite a bit better than usual. But that mm-hmm. being said, it's hard to envision them dropping more than one game between the rest of their season and the tournament combined. Um, so I don't see any scenario where they fall. Arizona would probably have to lose twice and lose in the Pac-12 tournament. So I think they're in. Um, next up is Auburn. I think mm-hmm. more likely than not, they're going to get a one even if they don't win the SEC tournament. They have benefited, and I mean, credit to them, this is just sort of luck of the draw. They've benefited from an easier slash lighter SEC schedule than Kentucky and Tennessee have received. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, Auburn still has to play at Tennessee, but that's just one game. They don't play another locked-in tournament team until the SEC tournament. So I, I would be pretty surprised if they fell from the one line. But after that, I mean, it is a mess. I think it, I think Kentucky's out. I don't think they're a one seed anymore. See, I still think Kentucky's alive, but they'd have to win out. And yeah, and I don't think that's going to happen. And you know, I, I think any of Kentucky, Baylor, Purdue, Villanova, Kansas could be a one seed in three weekends. I think Villanova. We should pencil in as a one seed. I think they're going to win the tournament and they'll be okay. I think yeah, Villanova I think is right really, there. Really what you have to do with these, it's not this year, it's not this way every year, mm-hmm. but a relatively safe bet a month out is just to say, okay, which of these five is most likely to win their conference tournament? Mm-hmm. And I would agree with you that it's Villanova. Uh, it feels like there's the possibility of Baylor, Kansas, and Texas Tech all canceling each other out. Yeah. And all of them ending up twos or even, you know, one of them ending up a three. 
I think one of them, I don't know. I mean, I would not be surprised. I don't think it'll be Texas Tech, but Texas Tech, I could see taking out one of the two. I think mm-hmm. I could see Texas Tech taking out the one of the two, and then the person who they don't take out ends up getting the other one seat. Yeah. Um, I don't know who that's going to be. I would still lean Baylor, but I would not be surprised if it was Kansas. Yeah. Who are you a bigger believer in at the moment? Is it Kansas or is it Baylor? <sighs> It's tough. I would have them just about equal, but I would mm-hmm. lean Baylor. They're just more well-rounded. I don't think Kansas's defense is quite as up to the task as Baylor's is. I know Baylor got a little roasted by Texas Tech, and that is what it is. But um, and on the whole, Baylor just feels a little more well-rounded, a little more prepped for March. Kansas just has some uncertainties. I'm not totally full-on thrilled to see them embrace. Um mm-hmm. But again, I'd have them about equal, and that's kind of why it's hard to pick one or the other for a one seed. Because I think it's just Tech is probably going to be beat one or the other in the Big Twelve tournament, but not both. And then it's like, okay, did Baylor or Kansas, whoever wins between them, do enough with the remainder of their Big Twelve schedule in the regular season to inch their way upward ahead of a Villanova, or you know, even Purdue if Purdue gets on a heater again. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. It's going to be tough. I'm contractually obligated to say Tennessee's still alive for one, but they'd have to win out. To well, well, like let's Tennessee. not do that. Don't do this to me. I can't. I, I, can't, I don't I think can't. Tennessee can go higher than a two, frankly. Do you think we could? Do you think two is still on the table? Like yes. realistically, you think Very two is still on the so. table? Okay. Two, two is like you go four and one, you finish 14 and four, and then you at least make the SEC tournament final. So you'd have to beat Kentucky on the way. If you, if you mm-hmm. go 14 and four and you beat Kentucky, Two seeds for sure on the table. You would need a okay. little bit of help. Like I would have to say, like Purdue probably continues sucking on defense and fades. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's still on the table for sure. But I'm most likely a three. I'm ready to get hurt again. Here we go. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, isn't it weird? Like has never hurt me in March. I even know. Is it bad that I think things are actually a little bit better with Olivia uh, Kuma out? the lineup that there's the offense is just there there's a direct correlation between the guards all playing a lot better and just the offense looking better as a whole yeah uh, let's let's do our tennessee basketball two minutes here yeah um, just as an interlude Sorry, this just we we brought it up so we got to go let's just like yeah. i'm telling you this is the celtics for the bills that's what we do here it's yes. just we there's no it's way for us celtics. to not talk about it yeah um so I think Tennessee has lost something on the defensive end. Yeah. But that being said, you, you, I mean, we saw it Tuesday night, obviously amazing crowd, amazing atmosphere and whatnot. That game flipped twice. That game flipped mm-hmm. on the fight, which I wrote about. Uh, and that game flipped when Kentucky went on a run to start the second half and Barnes immediately pulled the plug on the double big lineup and went with Folk at five, James at mm-hmm. four. And I think what we've seen is, you know, even before the combo injury, he was, getting to be more progressive on that single big front, but the combo injuries really forced the hand. You saw mm-hmm. them ride the single big for most of the final eight minutes against Mississippi state, most of the back half of the Vandy game, most of the second half against Kentucky. It seems they understand that is the key. They have mm-hmm. to play one big to stretch the floor to, and Fulkerson not being in the paint all the time has really expanded what they can do. I think they've pulled him away from the paint sets more screens, able to roll more frequently, just a little more athletic than he looked a month ago. Yeah. And I, I think the thing with Kamwa that's 
could end up being most impactful is it's led to these Jonas I do minutes. Yeah. And I I mean, you hate to say this because I think, I mean, naturally as a fan slash journalist, I want Brandon Huntley Hatfield to succeed because it would be a good story. But I've frankly already seen more from I do than I feel like I've seen from Huntley Hatfield since November. Mm-hmm. I mean, Huntley Hatfield's footwork on defense is horrific. And <laughs> I do, I mean, we saw it. I do really did a great job on Shibway. Uh, to the point where, you know, I'm looking at Shibwe playing. I'm like, oh, he's just big. Mm-hmm. But like you watch Shibwe against most teams, it's like, oh, he might be just big, but he's kicking their ass. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen against I do. I do a freshman big, mind you, who's barely played at all until this week, really held up well. Mm-hmm. And I, I like seeing that. And I think that could potentially be sort of a secret sauce for March, where if you got to go double big, and I know Tennessee will because it's just naturally – in the equation, I think Fulkerson and I do can play well together. I want more mm. data on it, but the way it looks, I do seems to be a solid shooter. I think for his size, Fulkerson has sort of lost the 15 footer he had two years ago, but he doesn't really have to have it anymore. It's not a huge deal. He doesn't even want to shoot it. Like that man has no confidence. Any it like the old, the farthest out he'll go is like, can I do a floater? No, then I'm not doing it. So it's it's interesting. I, I think they can play together. I would like to see a little more of James at four. I do at five and see what that looks like as an experiment. And I don't know. Uh, maybe you don't want to do it this week against Arkansas. But say when you draw Mizzou in Georgia, that's experimentation time to me. Obviously, yeah. you've got to win those games. But you have a big margin for error in those that you don't against great teams. And so I, lo- I have really loved seeing the surge. I think the offense while not completely fixed, is I would call it a patch. I think that they've patched some important flaws. Things look better. And it seems like they figured out three, four guards slash wings in crunch time is what's going to make the offense hum. Still, I like I, there will never be a game that I don't write down in my notes. Like, why is Kennedy Chandler and Folky not doing nine pick and rolls a game? Like, what are we doing? Like, that's just one of those things where I don't understand why. Because when Kennedy is active and Kennedy's aggressive, like he was um, uh, for stretches on Tuesday, and when we've seen it, it's like, oh, this is a game changer. Like when he yeah. gets rolling, it's a game changer. And like his pull up three game is is good. There's more to be unlocked there, but he's so clean around the rim. And it's just like, I, I don't know why that's just not something, especially because there were in this game, we had a cold streak. What was it? How many minutes do we go without a bucket? There was like a nine run at Kentucky at one point, but it got ugly. I have something mm-hmm. on this for you, by the way. My friend Evan Miyakawa from Twitter, uh-huh. amazing, amazing follow, by the way. Because mm-hmm. uh, I asked him to run something for me, because this is a curiosity among a lot of Tennessee fans mm-hmm. online. How frequently does Tennessee have stretches where they don't score for four or more minutes? Yeah. Tennessee, in 11, of 25, in 11 of 25 games, Tennessee's had a, stress, a scoreless stretch of four plus minutes. That doesn't surprise me at all. No. Um, but for Kentucky specifically, because I had to pull it up, they went 337 mm-hmm. without scoring. Okay. See, yeah, I know it was somewhere close to that, which is just, it can't keep happening, especially if you, you want to get a two seed you want to go far in the tournament that's just not something that can happen in a tournament game um but i will say it's amazing that we've gone this far without talking about ziegler the man is just incredible like he is so good he does so many little things that you just don't see he frustrates the hell out of everyone he guards like he's so smart about navigating screens like that's one of his best things um he's so fluid and he's so quick 
he doesn't like when he makes a mistake like he immediately recognizes it and then just Mm -hmm. he moves on like his head's at the next play he is moving forward like he is he's so much fun but i also just love that like even if he has nothing inside so like if he's because he'll speed up and he'll he'll get out and transition and see what he's got and he'll drive and he'll get under the rim and see if there's anything there. If there's not, he'll drive back out and pop out. But like he is just this energizer bunny that's always looking for a good shot or looking for the open man. And like if we had someone who was better at trailing, like in the corner for Ziegler when he's on the fast break, that would be nice. But mm-hmm. I mean, he's just going to be an absolute delight. Um, and then you have Vescovy, who I just I love Vescovy, but I mentioned to uh, the sports renaissance woman as we were watching on Tuesday night. I was like, this man falls over more than any other basketball player I've ever seen. Like, the man is just always falling over. Vescovy has, like, the fact that he's just not purple all over from just all the bruises of this man just falling all the time, because he is so clunky all the time. Everything about him is a clunky basketball player that should not work, Uh, but I'll miss him when he's gone. Uh, Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, this is... It's amazing that Tennessee's here because we were mm-hmm. so down on them a month ago and I'm just like, yes. I can't, I can't do this. We were, you wrote a really great piece about enjoying being in the mud and here we are an offense first team. People forget things yeah. change. I think, but I think it's like the mud is still there. Tennessee dragged Kentucky into it and specifically Sheboy really got dragged down into yeah. long stretches of that game. But I mean, the two things to close it out on Tennessee I thought Vescovy might have been the undersung hero because this doesn't really yeah. show in the stats on a Tuesday night, but it seemed like every time I looked up, he was in mm-hmm. Kellen Grady's hip pocket coming off of a ball screen or an off ball screen. And Kellen Grady tried and tried and tried and just could not shake him loose at all at any point of the night unless it was in transition. And for Vescovy to stay with a guy that fast that much – that requires immense effort. And, uh, you know, again, that doesn't show up in the stats like a steal or a block would, but it's part of why it worked. I mean, Kentucky loves those off-ball screens for their shooters because it helps space the rest of the offense, and that was part of why it just wouldn't work. They had to take a ton of crappy mid-range twos because they couldn't get Grady and Mintz open. And, I mean, on the Ziggler front, uh, the so it, when you think about this team, and I know there's this is a generalization, but bear with me. If you excluded Ziegler, they are more or less what you would expect them to be. They are mm-hmm. without Ziegler, this is about what we thought they would be. You know, like a top 15, 17 team, pretty good. Maybe a you know coin flip, they make the Sweet 16, but you're not thinking of them as anything serious, like a lead eight or a Final mm-hmm. Four or whatever, right? Ziegler is the guy who pushes that equation over the top to where I'm now at the point where I really do believe this is one of the 10 best teams college basketball has to offer. And, you know, Ziegler's ability to press the issue on offense and how well he he hounds opponents on defense. He still gets picked on because he's 5'9", of course. But, I mean, you look at all the steals he generates, all of the havoc he generates offensive and defensive when he's on the court. That is what has turned Tennessee from – sort of that frustrating, like, we're, we know this team is good, but they're not the good we hoped they would be, to, okay, they are the good we hoped they would be, and they're peaking at a great time of the year. Hmm. 
Well, either way, I'm excited. It's fun. Tennessee basketball is fun again, which is what we all want. Even Kentucky fans, they want it. They're like, wow, this is great. I'm glad to see Tennessee's back. Mm -hmm. Kentucky fans, you can pretend you're not upset. That's okay. (laughs) You can pretend this doesn't matter to you, but I know it has to sting you that John Calipari is seven and nine against Rick Barnes. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Um, all right. Well, and also shots, Rick Barnes, the quote, the text he since uh, he sends Dick Vitale early yes, in the morning. Did you see cool. that? Rick Barnes is just that like that man. I don't know. He's, he's a saint. Um, mm-hmm. Protect Rick Barnes at all costs. Um, well, let's move into um, our uh, Virginia tech portion of this podcast. So I mentioned them a little bit, but they have turned it around um, this is kind of like our Providence hour on uh, on the podcast because Virginia Tech, their offense is good and their offense is fun. They have some. They have a big game on Saturday against North Carolina. They've got uh, Miami coming up as well. They really need to run the gauntlet in the ACC. But do you think this is Mike Young? Like Mike Young's, I think done a pretty good job here thus far, um, filling in for Buzz Williams. But um, what do you make of the Hokies? And do you think they will end up being a tournament team? Tough call. I mean, the resume right now says just straight up no, because yeah. they, they've had some bad losses. But the team, but they're twenty six and Kim Palm. Yeah, right? the team quality says yes, and I, I don't know which you need to lean on more with a few weeks to Selection Sunday. Mm-hmm. But my my personal opinion is that an NCAA tournament team would win four of their final five. They've got. I think North Carolina Saturday that is a must win game because if you lose that, you got to go. You got to win out to mm-hmm. stay in the bubble or even get on it. Cause right now you go to bracketmatrix.com. They're in one bracket out of 115. Oof. And, but I mean, if they go four and one, they're naturally going to be on more because the metrics are good. And if the metrics are good, you're at least going to be within shouting distance of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to go four and one, you got to beat UNC Saturday. You have to pick off one of Miami or Clemson on the road, preferably Miami, frankly, because if you do that, then that's, you know, two NCAA tournament-ish wins you have in your final five. You're closing the season hot and then make a little run in the ACC tournament and see what happens. Yeah, I'm excited. I want to see I want to see what happens there. Um, they're a fun story. Um, Texas Tech, though, like we mentioned, they're kind of like this weird, uh, uh, just uh, distant brother, the black sheep of the Big 12 right now because <laughs> it's just they're not fun. No one loves Texas Tech and the way they play. They're very defense heavy. Um, the the team that Chris Beard left, they're better than Chris Beard's Longhorns this year. Mm-hmm. They're also not as good as Kansas and Baylor, and we know that too. Like we just they're not going to advance as far as those two most likely. But yeah. they're in this like weird middle ground like they're not an average big 12 team but they're also not the elite of the elite what do you make of them uh, as of the middle of february well i think they're probably i would say no worse than one of the like 13 best teams college basketball's got i mean mm-hmm. i think they're certainly third to baylor and kansas which it is funny considering they've swept baylor and beat kansas but, right um they're i i like them i mean they're better than i expected they would be this year and they just keep getting better over the course of the season. I mean, you look at Bart, Bart Torvik has a tool that shows you like a team's performance over the last 10 games. They've played like a top seven team since mid January. Hmm. And, you know, will they get to be an elite eight team? Maybe. I mean, the offense could certainly stand to be better. I think, you know, that defense is legit, but the, the offense just needs to take that extra step to really be, you know, 
but something truly fearful. But they've made improvements. They're going to be a very tough out. That's sort of, to me, you know, on the tournament discussion, like the prototypical three seed that is just like gritty and nasty. And, you know, maybe they don't make it to the final four, but they leave an impression on who they play. And, I mean, it seems like Sweet 16 should at least be the expectation for them, which is great for year one when, you know, like I know we were a little split on them in the preseason, but I personally thought, you know, hey, if they can win a game in the NCAA tournament in year one of Mark Adams, that's a good result. But, I mean, they're (laughs) they're doing pretty darn well. Absolutely. Um, Last thing, we'll wrap up here. Well, uh, the stats that have caught your eye in college basketball in the last week. All right. I always come prepped with a weird one. So <laughs> it's no different. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, so again, last 10 games tool, you know, filtering just the mid majors, mm-hmm. number one over the last 10 games, obviously Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. Do you know who the second best mid major over the last 10 games has been? Let me think on this. Hold on. Is it not, it's not Wyoming. It is not Wyoming, unfortunately. My beloved Cowboys lost. Um, hold on. I'm th- Ohio? It is Dayton from the Oh, mm. Ohio's been, been good. Okay. They have been Dayton. quite hot defensively lately. They've mm-hmm. been ripping off wins. They beat VCU by 30 a couple weeks back, which is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, they had that weird start to the season where they have three atrocious losses weighing down their tournament resume. They lost to UMass Lowell, Lipscomb, and Austin P back to back to back all at home. But since then, they've kind of quietly accumulated some really good wins. They beat Kansas on the neutral side, of course, beat Belmont. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've beaten Virginia Tech, who we talked about. Road win at VCU. They're 10-3 and three in the Atlantic 10. They're currently the uh, favorite to win the Atlantic 10. Uh, conference tournament Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how it finishes up for them regular season but I think they're at least I mean at minimum they're likely to be one of the top two seeds in that tournament it's probably going to be a four-team showdown for that title between Davidson Dayton VCU and St. Louis and right now it looks like Dayton's going to be the favorite Uh, they've come a long way I mean it was a shocker when they beat Kansas in the first place because they'd played so poorly leading into that but this is a team that's getting hot at the right time. You know, they've only they've lost three games in conference play, and two of those were by one point each. I am really interested and excited to see what they do the rest of the way. They have this. Uh, they have two freshmen that I really like watching: Deron Holmes and Malachi Smith. So there you go. Dayton, the rest of the way. Go Dayton. Um, the the house that Dan Patrick built. Um, no longer the house that Archie Miller built. He's forgotten. Well, he's not forgotten. He's on the field of 68 podcast with his brother and uh, the good folks over there. He's not forgotten. Do you think he gets another job? Does I don't know. Who gets another job for Sean or Archie? Archie. All right. Because okay. Archie doesn't have the NCAA stuff weighing him down. That's true. So hmm. Sean, I don't know. Sean could do the whole Seth Greenberg commentator thing for the rest of his life and probably be set. Plus, I think the Arizona money is going to last him a good while. Yeah. Um, quickly, you get... Uh, a yes or no answer here, and then we're done. Mike White is the coach of the Florida Gators next year. Yes or no? No, because they're not going to make the tournament. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, all right. Well, maybe joins. Uh, Danny White's like, hey, uh, Rick, I need uh, Mike White on the staff. I need uh, my brother to come on. I, I need Mike White on the staff. A little uh, rehabilitation project. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Will Warren, go check out statsbywill.com. Follow him on Twitter, the same handle. Uh, keep up with this great work. All kinds of pieces as he just outlined at the beginning of this show coming out next week. Um, Tennessee uh, baseball is back. Tennessee basketball is back. Tennessee football is back. People forget that. Like if you had forgotten, Taven Jackson throws like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. What does that mean for the future of Tennessee football? Two Heisman's in four years, Hendo Cinco and Taven Jackson later on. Who's saying no? Not myself. Will Warren, thank you as always. And I will talk to you very soon. Yes. Thanks for having me on. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the Friday edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Uh, this was the last episode uh, in the feed for today. Uh, go check out Stats by Will if you have not already done so. Follow him on Twitter at Stats by Will, Stats by Will.com. All that good stuff. Keep up with Will during this college basketball season. Uh, also, make sure if you like this episode, go ahead and th- hit that subscribe button if you have not already done so. And uh, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you are listening. Share the show. Tell our good folks about it and why you like it. That would be cool. Um, please do make sure you go check us out on YouTube, youtube.com, the Chase Thomas Podcast. Hit that subscribe button, like it, thumbs up, and uh, share it out, all that good stuff. Um, also make sure to go check out chasethomaspodcast.com for access to all of my previous episodes. Go subscribe to the sports renaissance man. That's me sports renaissance man.substack.com. Uh, email us uh, with any email que- or any, uh, college basketball questions, uh, for future episodes at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Also, please do uh, follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. New episodes in this feed tomorrow. Uh, Have a great rest of your Friday, folks. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, I'll talk to you all very soon. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.